0: Hi, good evening, everyone. Good evening, Rabbi Simon. We have a, uh, I think, fascinating uh, subject that we're going to look at tonight uh, in our studies, uh, continuing studies of al shikh HaKadosh Al-HaTorah, and our subject is Parshas Noach, Balsam, Vinegar, and Virginity. And if you wonder what those could possibly have to do with Noah, uh, then you've come to the right place, because we're going to explore exactly that. So let's get underway. And if anyone is going to join us uh, in progress, then they are all very welcome. Uh, I want to begin, and actually, I'd like to really devote our uh, time together this evening to a, I think, fascinating and uh, like uh, insightful analysis of a medrash. The medrash itself is, the essence of the medrash is one of the most famous comments of Rashi, I think, in the entire Torah. Certainly well known to all of the um, Torah students here tonight. So the parasha begins, Ela told us, Noach, Noach ish Amim haya sav, es ha- Noach. So the name Noach appears three times and the Torah starts off by telling us these are the generations of Noach. he was uh, righteous uh, in his uh, generations sarik uh, bidarosav the uh, Ila told us of these are the are the offspring of noah he was righteous he was complete wholehearted in his generations and that word bedorosav. Rashi says, The word in his generations, which would appear to be uh, gratuitous, superfluous, because every person, whether his life is notable or quotidian, lives in his generation, by definition, or generations if he lives a long time. So what does the Torah add by saying he was righteous in his generation? So that, Prompts Rashi. That's the, so to speak, the problem, the textual problem that Rashi, uh, that prompts Rashi to explain that there are those who understand the reference to his generations as a kind of relative assessment, that he would have been even more highly regarded and even more righteous if he had lived in a more sympathetic time. If he had been living among people who were themselves worthy, then he would have been even greater. In other words, his qualities of righteousness would have been all the more uh, dramatic and his achievements would have been even greater if he had had a more sympathetic and more cordial uh, environment. And there's the Yesh Darshim Shem that it's only a relative evaluation, that even though the Torah says he was righteous, it is meant relative to his generation, because of the depravity and the degeneracy of his generation, in relative terms he was righteous, but maybe in absolute terms, he wasn't such a righteous person at all. Now, of course, many wonder what prompts this, uh, uh, you know, view, the negative view, and I'd like to explain that, uh, but I just want to add, by way of introduction, that Ramosha Alshek is remembered uh, today uh, as an outstanding, gifted darshan. He was an orator. He was a, he captivated his audience, but not only with his skill, his oratorical skill, but of course with the brilliant and insightful, profound content of what he had to say. And that's why he, his commentary, which has been, uh, was was published at the end of his life, actually in 1593, and has uh, appeared, the rest of it has appeared subsequently, remains popular even even to this day. But part of his approach, and in this way, there is a certain similarity to my friend from last year, Ksavah Kabbalah, in that he analyzes closely the words of the sages. When there is a medrash that prima facie appears to be whimsical or maybe even just a kind of passing, uh, almost casual or even a throwaway line or comment from one of the sages, he demonstrates the wisdom of it, the profundity of it, and the precision of the language and even the, the parables or the metaphors that are used. So in uh, al he quotes the Medrashet language I'd like to read to you. This is what the rabbis say in the Medrash and Beresh's Rabbah. Rabbi Yehuda of Rabbi Nechemiah; those are the two sages. Rabbi Yehuda says, he was righteous. The implication is, if he was in the generation of Moshe, or the generation of Shmuel, it's interesting. Rashi says, if he'd been in the the generation of Avraham, he would not have been considered important. But according to the Medrash Rabbah that um, Alshech quotes, It says, the first view is the, let's say, um, the critical view of Noach, the view that says, if he had been in the generation of Moshe or Shmuel, he would not have been considered a Tzadik. And the Amish goes on to say, In a a, um, public place, so they shout about a blind person Sagi Nahor, someone who has much light, probably they like announced to people, uh, be careful, don't bump into him or don't let him bump into you. He's uh, sightless. So that's the euphemism that they use, Sagi Nahor, one who has much light. The point is that according to this quite negative, quite uh, uh, critical evaluation, really Noah was not such a tzaddik at all. It's just that uh, the, the, the Torah is using Describes him as a tzaddik almost in, not, I wouldn't say sarcastic ways, but in an ironic way. Can be compared to a man, let's say a king, who had a wine cellar. He opened a barrel of wine and he found that it had turned to vinegar. He opened another one and he found it turned to vinegar. Finally, he opened a third one and he found it was fermenting. It was toseis. So the people said to him, how can you drink that Tosesu, so it's you can see it's going off, you can tell it's going off, it's uh, it's fermenting. Amar lahon, he said to them, is there here anything better? There's not, nothing better than this. So they said to him, no, you're right, that's the best one we have. So similarly, in his generation, he was righteous, but the implication is if he was in a more deserving, a more worthy, a more upright generation, he would not have been a tzaddik. So that is the quite critical evaluation, according to the midrash, with the mushal, with the parable of Rabbi Yehuda. For Rabbi Nechemia Omer, If in his generations he was righteous, if he had been in the generation of Moshe or Shmuel, how much more so? And of course, that's the logical kal Homer that one can can derive. The first one says he was only a, a tzaddik relative to the very. Abysmal standards of his generation, but the other point of view is to say that B'dorosab, despite his generations, he was still righteous. If he had been in a generation of Moshe or Shmua, how much more so? And now Rabbi Nehemia offers two Mishalib, Mashalat afar simon can be compared to a vial of um, balsam, very aromatic. Mukefest samid pasil that was sealed, uh, you know, uh, thoroughly. And it was reposing in a cemetery. It seems that the cemetery was a place that was malodorous. I don't know if it's because of the corpses buried there or because the cemetery was normally some distance outside the city and it wasn't maintained necessarily so well. And therefore, uh, animals or, or other, uh, you know, circumstances would mean that it was malodorous. And that's the presumption and the aroma was still apparent, the fragrance of this, was still um, perceptible, even though it was in the cemetery. If it had not been in the cemetery, how much more fragrant and aromatic would it have been? And then he gives another mashal. A virgin, a girl, virgin on... yeah, young, young, uh, young woman, and she was residing in a, uh, in, a in a place of uh, ill repute, in a red light district, like a Soho in the bad old days. I'm not sure if it's a lot better now. I haven't been to Soho too much. But uh, yeah, and that's where she lives. So imagine uh, and there was no, there were no salacious rumors about her. Uh, She was presumed to be, she was regarded as upright and and, uh, uh, virtuous, even though she was living in a place where all of the girls were uh, working girls, as we say. so imagine if she'd been living in gold was green how much more so would she have been praiseworthy because even when she was living in Soho uh, she resisted the influence and the 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 uh, goading or whatever it might be of her her neighbors and, and peers if she was living in a in a more respectable neighbor, Allah has kama come That's what the Medrash says. And so just to now explain the, the parable, the Medrash says, uh, if in his generations he was righteous, if he was in the generation of Moshe or Shmuel, how much more so Adkan. That is the uh, extent of the Medrash in full. Now, Al-Sheikh, he always has an approach which I've already seen in my studies, our studies together, so far, and Noach, he begins uh, every comment that he has, which the comments usually extend for several paragraphs, sometimes several pages, with a number of questions. Actually, he begins, Parish Noah, with 18 questions, 18 questions, and then he proceeds to, to answer them all. So that's his approach here as well. So he quotes the Medrash, and he says, in order to understand what the sages mean, I've got a few questions. He says, firstly, why does Rabbi Yehuda interpret his uh, Noach's stature in this kind of critical, negative, kind of cynical or, or um, you know, uh, jaundiced way, uh, if in the generation of the wicked he was righteous? Uh, you know, it's, it would be natural to presume that in a generation of righteous, of course, he would be righteous, especially since the, the Torah says, Elah told us, Noah, noach is tzaddik. the Torah says he was righteous, he was perfect in his generations. At the end of the previous part, you already have Noah, Hashem. then Noah found um, favor in the eyes of God. Secondly, he says, as a matter of approach, as a matter of first principles, if you have a statement or a verse, or even a word which is ambiguous, which is subject to two different types of interpretation. So it should be naturally the inclination of every person to interpret it in a favorable way. You know, if you can interpret it, Lidrosh genai Lidrosh le person should naturally say, let's find the good in him. You'd always look for the good in another person especially Noah, a hero about whom the Torah testifies of his righteousness. So what prompted Rabbi Yehuda to open up this medrash with a, as I said, the negative uh, uh, scrutiny, the the critical evaluation? What prompted Rabbi Yehuda to leave behind the favorable interpretation of Rabbi Chambi? Also, what's the significance of the generation of Moshe, the generation of Shmuel, why not say, as Rashi said, is the generation of Abraham, or just say in a, in a decent generation, why specify, and why say two different generations? The idea can be conveyed just with one. And what's the need for the mashal, for the parable? The, the message is clear enough, without the parable, Rashi, as I keep saying, quotes this, without the parable, doesn't have the need for the parable, and also, why do we have the two parables? Rabbi Nehemi gives two parables, the parable of the vial of uh, the uh, perfume in the cemetery and the uh, virgin in the uh, shook of harlots? Why do we need both of those those parables? So here, these are the questions with which he begins, and I'd like to share with you his approach, uh, which, again, I apologize for saying, I found fascinating. I hope you will as well. So he observed that both approaches, both uh, opinions in the Medrish recognize, they both agree that his his evaluation, the evaluation of the nature of Noah has to be understood in terms of his environment. They both agree that his um, like achievements or his limitations need to be understood in the context of his generation. And they therefore both agree with something that Al-Sheikh had explained at length earlier. I'll mention it now briefly. And that is that the greatness of Noah was in his resistance to sin, in his abstention from the kind of uh uh immoral and and uh. uh sort of uh, the the behavior with stealing and exploiting and defrauding, and also the immorality of the generation. His greatness was that he desisted from all of that, but he did not excel in what he achieved. He was not known for his ma'asim tovim, for his mitzvahs so or for his dveikus, for his spiritual achievement or greatness, for his saintliness. He was not known necessarily for the things which he did, but he was recognized for his uh, resisting the influence of his generation. And this is hinted to in the words at the end of that first passage, his noach. Noach walked with God. the implication is that between Noah and God, he was uh, his greatness or his, his uh, righteousness was appreciated by God, but not necessarily appreciated by other people. By which I mean that the fact that he desisted from sin wasn't something that necessarily impressed others, and he did not achieve a great level of doing for others. Uh, he that's why his, like, accomplishments and his greatness lay in Es Ha'elohim, He worked with God, but not to say that he was admired and and uh, appreciated and, uh, like, uh, lauded by other people because of his charitable ways or because of his, uh, you know, maybe volunteering in his local uh, Community center, or whatever it might be. And that is hinted to as well in what we mentioned already at the end of last week's parash, It says, Noach the very last possible in Berisha is, Noach Noach found favor. Now, is related to the word chinam, which means for free. He found favor. In other words, Noach had some quality of grace or charm which Hashem appreciated. So says it the uh, uh Rav Moshe Al Sheikh that the statement here that uh Noach it means that he Hashem like appreciated what what he did, but even that was only because so to speak. God was looking for someone, like the Apostle says, because Hashem says to Noah, I found you righteous, I found you deserving in this generation. God, so to speak, was looking, uh, hopefully, for someone deserving, someone worthy in the generation. He even says, Moshe Al-Sheikh says, that the uh, forces of skepticism, the heavenly forces of skepticism, that had already told Hashem from a long time before, why did you make man? Why did you bother to create him? What's he going to do for you? Or, or what's he going to do even for himself? He's just going to become more degenerate. He's going to uh, bring the world to a lower place. And so it was. So Hashem, so to speak, had to invoke the Midas Ha rachamim the attribute of mercy. And that's what found favor with Noach. That's why it says, uh, um, that uh, Noah found favor in the eyes of God. There it says the the uh, tetragrammaton, in other words, to the So we have the the fact that Noah's uh, achievements were not Obvious, They were not uh, jumping off the page or, or you know, uh, proclaimed from the rooftops. People were not lauding him and regarding him as the, the uh, honorary, uh, I don't know, keys to the city kind of person because of his great achievements. His greatness lay in his uh, uh, abstention from the insidious influence of the people around him. He adds on. That's why it says in the first pasuk, Noach ish Sadik. Ela told us Noach. Noach ish tzadik, es hisalech Noach. It says Noach even the third time es hisalech Noach. Noach walked with God. It means that Noach was successful in persuading no one else to walk with God. Only he himself. That's like the emphasis. His name appears repeatedly. Because it could have just said. It's clear the subject of the. pasuk is Noah. It doesn't even have to say the word Noah. At the end of the verse again. Noah. Implies that Noah. Was the lonely man of faith. He was the lonely one walking with God. Which again is something which one can interpret. In a favorable way. But well, one can equally interpret it possibly in a, in a more critical way as well. And with this, he explains, that's the meaning of the generation of Moshe, the generation of Shmuel. As he explains as follows. Again, the primary shortcoming of Noah was that he was successful in absor- uh, resisting or abstaining from sin, but he did not accomplish much in terms of improving others, reaching out to others, inspiring others, teaching others, being a leader to others. What's the significance of Shmosha and Shmo? So here, Ramosha al shir says something which is relevant to those of us in the Kiruv field, which I include myself, that there are two approaches to seeking to bring merit to the generation, to teach others, to inspire others, to, to edify others, to direct others, to correct others. Two approaches, broadly speaking. You, you can go to them or they can come to you. So Moshe was the one who spoke to the people, taught the people, you know, shared the word of God, they came to him. The Torah says a few times that Moshe gathered them, they came to him. Moshe taught the people because they came to him. Now, Moshe maybe was in a position where they needed him, and uh, they may have had more a sense of appreciation for Moshe, so they came to Moshe. But what if the people don't want to come to Moshe? What if they're not interested, especially because they know what he's going to tell them. He's going to give them Musa, which people don't naturally necessarily Desire. So, uh, if they didn't come to Moshe, we don't know because the fact is they did come to Moshe. But in the days of Shmuel, they didn't come to Shmuel. Shmuel went from place to place. He went from town to town. This is clear in the book of Shmuel, explicitly that he went. He had a circuit. He was like the the riding rabbi. He went from he went on a circuit from place to place. So. Shmuel represents the one who goes to the people. Moshe represents the person where the, they come to him. Noah didn't do either. Noah didn't go, to, didn't, didn't, did not give drushes that people came to listen to, nor did he go to them. You can compare it. I was just thinking to people in the uh, rabbinic field. There was a rabbi, some of you may have heard of him. Actually, he's enjoying a new lease on life, although he died about 15 years ago. Rabbi Victor Miller. So uh, Rabbi Avigdor Miller uh, was one of the, the early pioneers in Torah cassettes. His lectures were circulating on cassette, also some of his other shiurim, and actually you can get them. I remember people used to buy them by the hundreds uh, when that was the the only way. Of course, now you can find them online. I'm sure they've been converted to, uh, I don't, uh, and now he's in print as well. Rabbi Avigdor Miller used to give drushas, and he was quite something to listen to. Even if you just read his output, you can get a sense of his style. And uh, people used to come to him in large numbers, uh, a lot of people who were not necessarily from uh, as well. And uh, they used to come back. Oh, I'm sure some people didn't come back. Okay, that was a uh, victim. He didn't go to them. He lived in Flatbush. They came to him. Who goes to them? I'm thinking of Rabbi Grossman, so the disco rabbi, he acquired the named the nickname the Disco Rabbi in the 1970s, uh, Zunt, he's still active. Um, he used to go to discos in Tel Aviv and he went in with his uh, longer Rekel and his payas and his beard. And yeah, he used to go to the, to the disco. He became the Disco Rabbi. So those are two paradigms. nor didn't do either one. And this is the meaning of that parable that Rabbi Yehuda says about the wine. The king goes to the wine cell, he opens a barrel of wine. Every wine, every barrel he opens is vinegar. He opens one, which is, it's fermented, but it's not vinegar yet. So it's not vinegar, but it's not wine. That's... He has no masim tovim. If he had masim tovim, he would be wine. Wine is a pleasure to drink. We love wine. Or some people like it more than others. Perhaps he, perhaps Noah liked it too much. That was also part of his downfall. But the point is that wine symbolizes masim tovim. It's not wine, he doesn't have masim tovim. But at least he's not chometz, he's not vinegar. So therefore the king said, I'm going to take it. So the, his critics said, how can you take this? This is, how can you drink this? This is not wine. So the Midas Din said that he has no merit. Noah. he's not wine. So the Bar Taif, the, the owner of the wine cellar says, yeah, but if all of the wine is vinegar, then I've got no Marteif at all. I have no wine cellar anymore. This is a barrel of wine, which at least it hasn't turned to vinegar, even though it's really not very good, but I'm going to take it because otherwise I've got no wine cellar at all. In a similar way, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to the Malachim, to the Mekatragim, you may say that Noah is not righteous because he doesn't have any great accomplishments, but at least he's not a balaveira. And if I don't take Noah, then I've got to destroy the whole world and I don't want to do that. I've got no world left. So therefore, Hashem says, from Noah, I can at least rebuild the world, and my efforts, so to speak, have not been in vain. That's Matzachin. That's why Noah Matzachin, for Hashem, he had a different point of view. A person might say, if someone is a wine critic, he would say, this is wine. But the king has another point of view. He's thinking about the whole wine cellar. And he says, if I don't accept this barrel of wine, I've got nothing. So Hashem was looking at the whole world and said, relative, to to the rest of the world, Noah is is righteous. But of course, again, this is quite a uh, you know a critical or an unsympathetic uh, evaluation. Uh, I saw years ago that um, the uh, uh, Warren Buffett uh, said once said that in order to succeed as an investor, you don't have to do many things right as long as you don't do anything wrong if you just avoid egregious errors, you can just do a few things right and you'll be okay. Now, that's easier said than done. I mean, Warren Buffett himself has, has done a good job living by that credo. Perhaps others would, would struggle. But in a similar way, this is the response of Rabbi Nechemia. Rabbi Nechemia says that Rabbi Yehuda has built his his uh, like critical evaluation on two points. Firstly, that Noah did not Uh, um, like um, influence or inspire or rebuke the Rishayim, he didn't engage with the Rishayim, that's the first shortcoming of Noah, and the second is that all of his righteousness was just avoiding transgression, he didn't do anything positive. So he was like the Warren Buffett type of investor who avoided doing anything wrong and even though he didn't do a whole lot right, maybe just you know invested—I um, don't know—I'm no expert in investments, but you know just sort of spreading his money around in a generally um, sensible way. But he avoided any of those Ponzi schemes and any of those catastrophic errors, and therefore he prospered. That's what Rabbi Nehemiah says in his response to Rabbi Yehuda, because Rabbi Yehuda criticized Noah in those two ways. It says Rabbi Nehemiah, Firstly, to okay, so he says, no, on the contrary, it's Kol shikain. If he had been in a more meritorious generation, he would have flourished all the more. And what's the, the illustration? This uh, cruise of uh, uh, aromatic oil, Shemon Afar simone He says that if it was open, according to the mashal, and here's the beauty of al analysis, every detail of the mashal of the parable of the metaphor is illuminated. According to the metaphor, this vial, this cruise of uh, uh, aromatic oil was sealed and it was in the cemetery. So he says if it was open, of course it would have been much more aromatic. You would have smelled it all the more. So even even sealed, you could still smell it. It's like uh, uh, a woman buys a perfume, and when it comes out of the box, you can even smell it, even though it's in the box. Still, it hasn't yet been used, even, but you can still you can still smell it already. So says Rabbi Nechamia, That's what Noach was like. Uh, if it had been somewhere else outside of the cemetery, how much more uh, aromatic would have been? Done? What about if you open it up? <laughs> if you open up, of course, you're going to enjoy the aroma. But if you open it up and it's in the cemetery, so all of the malodorous uh, uh, smells of the cemetery could overwhelm this perfume. Noah was the same way. You know why he didn't engage with his members, the people of his generation? Because if you remonstrate with the wicked, you're going to be overwhelmed by them. Noah was a minority of one. And he was living in such a perverse, such a degenerate times. If he had tried to rebuke them, if he'd engaged them in conversation and started up with them, then who knows what would have happened to him? He would have been, he would have be, been swept away. He was only able to retain his probity and his decency by keeping him to himself that's the the symbolism. Of course, if this cruise of uh, uh, perfume had been somewhere else, not in the cemetery, it would have been all the more aromatic, but if it had been opened up in the cemetery, it could have been overwhelmed. And finally, our time is nearly up, uh, the uh, Virgin in Soho. So. Rabbi Nechemia says back to Rabbi Yehuda, "You say that sheva al taaseh—that if a person simply desists from transgression is no great achievement. It's not so. It's not so. What about a girl, a young girl? For argument's sake, she's uh, attractive, she's glamorous, and she's living for whatever the reason in in Soho, and you know, with all the party girls and all of the the influence." and she succeeds in keeping herself to herself and then this is something highly meritorious this is just as great as doing something which is a uh, a a great mitzvah doing something active sometimes desisting is just as great as as the the action and he even says that's why I told you the attention to detail is is marvelous. That's why right. the marshal doesn't say a woman who's living in a in a place of the of of uh, debauchery. It says a virgin who's living in a place of debauchery. Not just maybe she you know got involved as well and then she did tshuva, but rather she kept her her chastity from the beginning, and that's Noach Ish Tzadik. Says the Medrash from the time that he became an Ish, he was a tzadik. From the time that he reached maturity, he was already a tzaddik, and he retained his his righteousness. So let's just uh, sum, sum up. We have seen tonight, uh, I hope you'll agree, uh, deeper analysis of the very well-known medrash that Rashi quotes. But Rashi quotes it only briefly, and when we read the medrash in full, we see the two opinions that are presented in greater detail with the... Um, the parable, Rabbi Yehuda, who has the negative evaluation, excuse me, uses the parable of the, um, of the wine, which is fermented, but at least it's not vinegar. Rabbi Nechemia, who has the more favorable interpretation, uses the parable of the perfume in a cemetery and the parable of the virgin in, the, in Soho. And in both cases, they are... Uh, to be uh, uh praised and the culture came the the uh sort of um compelling nature is that if he had not been uh, living under those kinds of deleterious influences he would have been all all the greater but what they both agree upon is that his greatness was only in his uh avoiding transgression and not in his achievements. And I would just like to end by saying that according to the way Rashi puts it, that the shall Avraham, we can consider, and I will leave that for your contemplation. What about the example of Avraham who did go out to improve people, to uh, inspire people, and Avram also lived in a time of idolatry, and he- yet uh, Abraham did achieve uh, much in his life. So maybe for us, may we follow Noah uh, in every respect and even go a bit further perhaps and follow the example of Avraham Avinu to reach out to others as well.